Welcome to the Rhino Daily Podcast, the daily podcast for sharp entrepreneurs. You'll hear insights and ideas from the world's top entrepreneurs and thought leaders designed to help you increase your profits and improve your lifestyle. Now, now here's your host, Steve Cypress. Hello, it is Foundation Friday, May 22nd, 2020. Steve Cypress here heading into a holiday weekend. And on to one of the final chapters in the great book, How to Be Rich by J. Paul Getty, written over 50 years ago when he was the richest man on earth. And this chapter in the investing section, second to last section of the book, last week was, uh, last two weeks was all about the stock market. And this one is a real approach to real estate. Uh... J. Paul Getty liked those plays on words. You might tell if you've been following along with my Foundation Fridays, this whole series we're doing on this timeless great book. And he starts out by telling a whole bunch of stories and saying almost every American family has its tales of fabulous real estate opportunities that were missed or ignored by one or another of its members at some time in the past. So we all have that. And he tells a few stories of uh, his family in 1906, my father could have purchased all of 70-square-mile Santa Catalina Island off the Southern California coast. His family lived there after wild catting and oil. Uh, they settled in the L.A. area. Uh, for only about $250,000, and he turned the offer down. And, of course, uh, <laughs> it was uh, purchased by the Wrigley family. And uh, even as this was written, it was calculated in the tens of millions of dollars in value and of course today, in the billions. Uh, another family member, he had his mother's, what are he saying here, his mother's brother-in-law, man, owned a 160-acre farm outside of what were then the city limits of Detroit uh, in the, in the, at around the turn of the 20th century. Uh, in the 1880s, Detroit had about 116,000 population, and about 40 years later, had a million population, and then, of course, now one of the major cities, well, became one of the major cities in America, and now one of the most miserable cities in America. But still, uh, that land, he says, which right now is pretty much smack dab virtually in the heart of Detroit, uh, he sold it for $3,000 at the turn of the century in 1900. And he was happy because he made what he considered a fair profit on the sale. Uh, however, uh, in 1920, each of those acres would have made would have been sold for many times more, and today, of course, be worth multiple billions and billions of dollars. And during the Depression, this is appropriate to today. Uh, today, this this current depression, uh, I could have picked up large parcels of undeveloped land in the Southern California. Uh, area and elsewhere for only a few dollars per acre. In those days, the tracks were far outside the limits of any incorporated town or city, and since the end of World War II, the towns and cities have grown with lightning speed spreading out in all directions. The once practically worthless tracks have become thriving residential or industrial areas. Much land that sold for as little as 500 bucks an acre and even less than the Depression days now bring $50,000 an acre or more. And he talks about a bunch of good investments that his family did make, like his father missed out on that Catalina Island, but a year later in 1907, he bought some 
land on Wilshire Boulevard in L.A. for about $10,000, built our family home on it. The land then was surrounded by meadowland, and the nearest paved road was more than a mile away. But in the 1920s, uh, less than 20 years later, he was offered 300 grand for the property, so about a 30-time improvement. Uh, they kept it, and he says, as of today, still owned by Getty Interest, now worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 million, and that was almost 60 years ago. So again, that one likely worth... Uh, tens of millions of dollars. And uh, so he concludes, after all these stories, at first glance, it might seem that I consider it easy to make money in real estate. I probably appear to be expanding, expounding a theory that one needs only to buy cheap land far outside a city's expanding limits and then wait until the city grows out to meet the property and that the buyer will make money if he can hold on to his property long enough. Unfortunately, it's seldom as simple as that. He goes on to talk about all the, the risks and tying up the capital and paying all the taxes and assessments and upkeep and all that kind of stuff along the way. So he says, you really got to know what you're doing. In short, a prospective investor must always bear in mind that while real estate can be a highly profitable form of investment, it can also prove quite risky. Often there are many variable factors which affect the value of the property. It goes on and on and on. It says you really got to know what you're doing. And so it's, it's, it's a lot more involved than just buying stocks, shares in a company that you don't have to make any decisions. Uh, real estate involves not only the risk and the capital, uh, but uh, you've got to be very active uh, handling it and, of course, knowing when to sell. Bottom line, he says, uh, the, the uh, investor, just like you said with stocks, uh, is the one who wins in the long term over the short-term speculator with stocks and with land. And then... At the conclusion of the chapter, I love how he says it's not possible to list any specific universally applicable rules to guide the real estate investor. There are far too many different types of real property, ranging from single lots in uninhabited areas to entire complexes of residential, industrial, or commercial buildings. Then he goes on to list 10 general rules. Finishing with, at the end of the chapter, and that'll end today's presentation, the last rule... Uh, where he says, in fact, if you wish to make money in real estate, always think in terms of investing and never in terms of speculating. And that's just good advice all around, as this book is filled with on pretty much every page, that uh, it's all about long-term. It's not about get-rich-quick. It's not about some kind of scheme. It's all about thoughtful investing long-term. And right now, that we are in the midst of this chaotic as the shutdown see is seeming to end even in the complete off-the-deep-end, anti-capitalist, Trump-hating, ridiculous states uh, with the high taxes and the high corruption and debt and, you know, just the most miserably run states and, uh, to live in and to work in uh, in the country. Uh, and now during the shutdown, you know, worse than ever, talking about, oh, it'll be months, and, you know, we're never getting back to normal until there's a vaccine, and all this BS, I mean, just really beating down on the middle class, which is where almost all small business owners are, and just beating the crap out of small business owners. Big business and big government always work together to beat the crap out of small business, but I've never seen it, and I don't think it's ever been anything like this in history. And so the shutdowns and the chaos continues, 
And yet, this is a great time, as Getty writes throughout the book, to make a fortune in the downturn, to profit from this chaos. And if you hadn't already, speaking of which, head on over to Profit From Chaos, get my free report, How to Profit From Chaos, and get my daily advice in my private Facebook group, Profit From Chaos. You get an invitation by going to that website, ProfitFromChaos.com, and I'll help you navigate all the craziness that's going on. The chaos is pretty much just starting uh, with all the mixed regulations and lawsuits and the arrests and, you know, oh, gee, liquor stores can be open, but churches can't and all this kind of just irrational nonsense because, of course, the shutdown has never been and has nothing to do with health. It is all about control and authoritarianism and the government stomping its foot all over the neck of the citizens, including the most damage happening to small business owners who are declared by government fiat to be non-essential. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't really appreciate being called a non-essential human being or that I have a non-essential business, which is pretty much the same thing to small business owners and their families and their employees and their suppliers and so on. Anyway, that'll do it for Foundation Friday. We have only a few more chapters to go in the next few Foundation Fridays on the great book, How to Be Rich by J. Paul Getty, written in the 1960s when he was the richest man on earth. Great timeless advice. I'll be back tomorrow on Social Media Saturday. I got some uh, brand new, ever-changing information on how to make money with Facebook, so uh, behooves you to join me again tomorrow on Social Media Saturday. Catch you then as the sun sets in the west on another spectacularly beautiful spring day. Wish you were here. Hope it's great where you are. Have a great holiday weekend. Catch you tomorrow. Over and out. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Rhino Daily Podcast, the daily podcast for sharp entrepreneurs hosted by Steve Cypress. Join us tomorrow for another exciting episode designed to help you increase your profits and improve your lifestyle. Also, go to rhinodaily.com for more great business exploding tips, strategies, and tactics from the world's top experts. Plus, snag your free copy of Money Making.